From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm back in the studio, studio with you. So I'm reading uh, William Shatner's memoir called Boldly Go. Okay. And uh, he happens to be 92 years old today. Oh, wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Great book on just his life and all of the adventures and just the, how all things kind of come and go and the, and the universe brings great things and tough things and challenges. And he has an amazing brand. Oh, you didn't know I was going there, <laughs> did you? Barbara's looking at me like, what the hell is he talking about? I'm going about? to America's <laughs> I know, right? Well, America's Read Reads. I do, I do. It's a fascinating journey, but I love his brand, Barbara, because he has over and over and over again reinvented himself and he's still living living a life of, of awe and trying to enjoy the wonders of the world. And it's it's a fascinating reading, quite inspiring. So. Wow, that's yeah, very cool. It's very, very cool, cool that you're reading a book that's not marketing. I don't yeah. know when I've done <laughs> I that. I know, right? It's been a <laughs> yeah. while, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But there is quite a lot going Lots on going in the on. news. What do we have? And we need somebody to help us digest all of it. Like, what is going on with banks and with banks, tech and tech, with Meta? Even Meta. Meta's making announcements. Meta's my making God. announcements. Yeah. Oh, my God. So there's so much going on. So I'm worried that we might be replaced by Radio GPT. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> White collar jobs are out now. Uh, yes. Dolly, we're Chef nervous. G- it's a really difficult time. Very so difficult. Read time. away <laughs> <laughs> as right. we try to go yes. through and to figure out what all of this has to do with marketing is yes. really what we're about. Yep. And to help us with that, we're really happy to have Peter Adams, who's the senior reporter of Marketing Dive, and he tends to take a deep dive yes. into a lot of marketing issues. So we're delighted. Delighted to have him try to navigate the world today. Hello, Peter. Hi, Peter. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. It's great to see you all back in the studio. So you've been pretty busy writing a bunch of stories, and we'd like to use a lot of the stories that you've written to talk about in our Hit or Miss segment. (laughs) Hit. Bullseye. Or Miss. Just a bit outside. So, Peter, let's start with your story on, like, one of the biggest things going on and everybody's thinking about, but we're going to talk about it from the marketing point of view. Silicon Valley banks collapse. You wrote a pretty deep uh, article on that, and you really did kind of take it from the marketing point of view. So, why don't rather than me rehash what you wrote, why don't you give me the top-line soundbite of your thoughts from that article? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's one of these things. It just feels like, you know, one thing after another these days. But, um, you know, Silicon Valley Bank was a a huge bridge to, as its name would suggest, uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, It helped back a substantial portion of tech and healthcare related IPOs of the U.S. last year. I think they claimed something like 40 plus percent. Wow. Um, And you think about the marketing ecosystem, it's a lot of digital companies, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly when it comes to MarTech and ad tech, a lot of startups. Uh, And, uh, you know, there were quite a few media platforms, uh, startups, ad tech firms who, when this happened, and the initial fear was that they wouldn't be able to access their deposits, which was eventually a concern that was alleviated by the government. 
um, you know, it, it caused a, a pretty widespread panic. Um, uh, as I sort of indicated, you know, the short term fears uh, there in terms of access to deposits and cash and, and payrolls and stuff like that aren't as prevalent anymore. But uh, again, thinking about this from the startup economy perspective, mm-hmm. in terms of if you're a marketing startup moving forward, right. uh, securing a fresh round of financing is probably going to be substantially more challenging. Right. So like, I think that's interesting to take from the marketing point of view, because one, it has to do with like, where's new business going to come from? And probably there's less appetite for these marketing startups and things like that. And I think it'll even affect our students and what they're interested in. And maybe 100%. ultimately what we teach in the classroom yep. is one point, I, you can continue to discuss in America's you can add to it also. The other thing that you mentioned in your article, which I thought was pretty interesting, is that a lot of the um, focus in the past for these companies have been on growth. And now with this idea of, you know, where's the money? Um, focusing more on profitability. <laughs> yes. That's really a difference in marketing strategy as well. So I think that it does have some pretty long-term interesting implications for marketing going forward. Peter, what- yeah, the du- yeah, the, the dust is still settling on the whole SVB thing. I think in retrospect, you know, a few months, few years down the line, it will be kind of seen as maybe a little bit of a nail on the coffin moment for, as you said, this focus on growth over profitability. Mm. I mean, uh, just contextually, the tech market has been way down for the past year or so. All of the big digital ad supported platforms have felt the bite of that and a pinch to revenue. And now with the collapse of this major uh, Silicon Valley, you know, banner carrier. Mm. Uh, it is really focused. Yeah, put the focus back on profitability, and you can see this impacting startups. Y- y- you could say, oh, well, we have a certain number of users, et cetera. We're growing really fast, but at the end of the day, investors, in a broad sense, I believe, are more concerned. Like, are you making any money? I mean, the economy is <laughs> right. down. Right. It's right. not not necessarily <laughs> expected to get any uh, uh, better in the short term. I don't believe, and I know. Some of the Fed's moves today are being watched very closely. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's marketing and business in general is going back to the fundamentals. So the growth story from just a subscriber's or user perspective isn't as appealing as it was. So was. exactly. So I think that's a notion. You know, the pendulum swings back and forth. We mm. used to call it the wheel of retail. What goes around <laughs> comes around. Right. And I think this idea of profitability over growth suggests yeah. more of a sell more widgets, you know, what? sell more product, not necessarily invest in the long-term value of customers, even though I'm not saying that's not a bad strategy. But right. it is a strategy over the lifetime of yeah. the customers. That's practically what the metric says. Yes. And the other interesting thing, I think, and I'm not a, you know, a, a finance guru, Barbara, but the idea that you know profitability implies growth, but not the other way around. And so in some senses, or, or less so the other way around, in some senses, your point, which is interesting, is like there's a different threshold. And that's a very different it feels to me like a more concrete kind of a thing to be able to say I'm profitable yeah. versus I've got all of this interest in my ability to tell my story and lots of you know money coming in and I'm just hiring, 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 hiring without a critical eye to what you're talking about, which is like, okay, well, how much am I actually making? Yeah. And so like along these lines, I don't know if you saw this and I didn't even know how credible the survey is, but let's just assume it is. Uh, I saw a survey that showed consumers are starting to say to companies um, – 
you know what? If we're in an inflationary period <laughs> and <laughs> prices are too high, I yes. got an idea, CEOs. Why don't yeah. you take less money and lower yeah. your prices yeah. instead of relying on the Fed to, to raise interest rates and do all these things that have these yeah. repercussions in our economic system? Maybe there's other ways to think about business. I think this relates a little prices bit to high. your point, yes. Peter, that you made in your, arg- yes. in your article. What do you think about that? I definitely think that consumers uh, have a very good understanding of how inflation works because it hits them where it hurts every time they go shopping. Um, Obviously, some of the inflation is just naturally, I don't know if naturally occurring is the right way to put it, Uh, much like uh, Professor Reed, I'm I'm not a financial guy first. But, uh, you know, like uh, some of the inflation is just occurring because of how crazy the economy is being. I do think some prices, uh, the perception among consumers is that they're artificially inflated because Mm. that is something companies can get away with right now. I do know that, um, uh, especially because it is hitting the bottom line, the wallet, every time you go to the grocery store, get gas, et cetera. Uh, And especially because it's now extended for months now, close to a year of a sharp inflationary period with some fluctuations thrown in there. I do think they look at companies and they go... You know, how could you advertise yourself this way? How can your CEO be taking this sort of payday mm. um, mm-hmm. I- instead of, you know, focusing on keeping a stable price? Uh, I-, I do think that's a valid point. I'm not sure the survey you referenced there. But that yeah. is definitely <laughs> no, but it even just makes sense. You it know, it's sense, like yeah. there's been a while now, Americans, we've been talking about this, that the a consumer, the voters are looking to businesses, yeah. not necessarily politics and government yes. to regulate everything. Yes. And if the prices are too high, there is an easier way to lower them <laughs> yes. than to like, you know, scratch your ear by going around your back. You yes. Know? Yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, 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 that's a super interesting analysis because I think it also plays into the idea, uh, Peter, and you can comment on this as well with respect to an, the, that emerging narrative around, you know, the, just the tech world and CEOs now, which are brands out there uh, selling themselves and their visions in all of this and the fact that in a, in a downturn where there's a lot of recessionary pressure, I think Barbara's point's 100%. That, correct. The average everyday consumer is looking at you and your $15 million salary plus bonuses <laughs> and wondering why the product has gone up 25%. <laughs> you yeah. know? And so I think that's a fair point. What are, what are thoughts on like how you ameliorate that? Like If you're going to like market a, a change in how you brand what it is that you're doing as a CEO, how would you, what, what would be your advice, Barbara, to the CEOs? Of what you know, what I should mean, they do? How do you, they do that? Part of what we're talking about is in building brand is we've moved away from product attributes. Maybe we're moving back to it, you know, to customer benefits, to lifetime value. And a lot of what we've been talking about in brands is you've got to talk about what your values are, you know, the whole Kaepernick campaign and yep. all of that other stuff. Mm-hmm. So at some point, if the, if the CEOs are part of our society, you can say, well, instead of looking at the Fed all the time, what can you do? <laughs> yes. And then you start, uh, we're a brand that takes all of this into consideration. We care about DEI. Yep. We care about economic situation. Yep. And we're going to try to price our product and build our products to help our world. Yeah. You know, I Ooh. mean, I think that would be an interesting, wow. not only would you get higher market share by lowering price, but you might get lifetime value of the customer, <laughs> you know. That's you might nice. get relationship yes. by trying yes. to... Um, you know, appeal to that part of the customer. Interesting. 
Uh, so, Peter, you've been talking about a lot of issues that are politically inclined. And oh, kind of, dear. I'm going to talk another one yes. tangentially, but you can, since we're pushing you on these, we might as well push it. You wrote a story recently about soccer, the MLS, uh, striking a partnership with TikTok. Um, yep. And so that brings up interesting things about soccer yeah. you know, versus football. <laughs> Is soccer ever going to be popular in the U.S.? In the you US, know, the, yeah, the yeah. Uh, connection with TikTok. TikTok is in the news because Biden is trying to find somebody else to you know, own that company in the mm. U.S. because he's worried about the data of mm. TikTok. Mm. Um, so there's actually quite a lot of issues in that story, even though that may not have been what your headline was. Totally. Can I ask you, Barbara, are you on TikTok? I have it on my computers and stuff. Oh. I, I make a point of not getting into it because Ooh. it is kind rabbit of hole. like a rabbit hole. Like <laughs> yeah. it's just Absolutely. astonishing <laughs> yeah. how fast you can waste a half an hour, two hours. Yeah, it's really amazing. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, the MLS deal is the, the the timing of it is kind of fascinating. Who knows? You know, when those negotiations starts, maybe they had a contract ironed out or something like that. But yeah. This big MLS uh, package with TikTok coming right on the cusp of whether the fate of the app is essentially being decided in the U.S. Um, You know, I think it signals maybe that uh, some media platforms uh, and uh, publishers and stuff like a sports league maybe have some confidence that even if TikTok's situation doesn't change, it's not necessarily going to get an outright ban uh, Barbara, I know you teared up that, you know, there's a potential for it to just be divested, sold to a different mm. company. Uh, it's a lot of deja vu. This happened under the Trump administration. Yeah. They actually got fairly far along with their discussions with Oracle, and it seemed then like uh, it would go through. And then uh, the top line of that story was Trump kind of just, like, forgot about it. He's got other issues uh, now, wow. too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. Um, there's a little bit... Uh, you know, more of a chance that concrete action will take place just because it's so uh, so many discussions have already happened in the House and in the Senate and with the Biden administration. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of these things where it'll, it could be very quickly a, a big sea change. Mm. Uh, you think about something like the MLS. Uh, I know you both asked earlier, you know, like, will soccer ever be a major sport? I think you know, it's gained a steady amount of traction. There is an appetite for sport alternatives mm. to the existing major leagues. You've seen stuff like interest in baseball, yes. particularly uh, among young consumers, Younger decline consumers. a decent amount. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. And, you know, MLS isn't the only one kind of betting on TikTok. Like the NFL has a huge TikTok. Yeah, that's oh, really? Yeah. I did not yeah. know that. Wow. It's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's part of this. Oh. I- sorry, it's just part of this idea that these are the way the kids are, right? Well, Barbara? exactly. I mean, and that's what I was saying, yeah. you know, about soccer. Like, it's, it's kind of weird that we're the only country in the world that doesn't think soccer is a cool sport. Um, right. And I just started watching Ted Lasso again, so I'm back into uh, <laughs> soccer once again. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But to, to that point, though, yeah, I, like Ted Lasso, cultural phenomenon. On, I, I think that kind of speaks to that there is budding interest in mm-hmm. soccer. Like, why isn't that about a f- local football team owner or something? Right. Uh, football in the American sense owner. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sorry. Just, you know. No, just yeah. The, and yeah. the thing that I like about um, soccer is that also, you know, men and women play it. You know, I don't know if there's as much a differential advantage between men and women's soccer as there is in other sports, you know. So mm-hmm. it seems like that, the, at least as kids, people learn how to play the game, they participate. That's got to generate interest. Yeah. 
And I think going into TikTok and getting it to the the youth, which is you know definitely where the majority of people are in TikTok, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, interesting. And then there's the ironic complication of it being in the news every minute, you know, yeah. because of the fact that the app is owned by China mm. um, and people are scared of the data. Yeah. And and it's one of these things, you know, it's a regulator concern. Um, I think if you ask the average TikTok user in the age range that we're talking (laughs) about here, kind of the Gen Z, uh, they'd be furious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's it's it is reset the social media landscape. Every other social platform is now chasing the short form video format that TikTok popularized. Yes. Uh, But TikTok's core audience, despite that, has not really um it, it, it's continued to grow. I mean, it's uh, 150 million users now in Ooh. the U.S. Um, so, yeah, I think the ban, if it does happen, will just have pretty serious repercussions around a lot of things. Yeah, people are definitely addicted to it. They're using it for search. They're you know using it for entertainment. Um, this idea of watching the short-form video instead of watching the whole program yep. is kind of the way younger people watch. And yep. so yes. being on TikTok and TikTok little videos of soccer, I mean, I think that's how people are going to watch it. Or they're going to go to the games yep. because then there's the live experience. But that's right. fine. That's like where the revenue will come from. So right. Right. it'll be interesting how that all works. And yep. you didn't write about this, Peter, but I, I wonder if you know Meta announced um, – they're announcing more layoffs, you yep. know, and they famously changed their name to Meta because yep. they were really 100 percent into the Metaverse. Well, now apparently they're 100 percent into AI, <laughs> AI yes. and generative AI. Yes, yes, <laughs> they yes. don't do anything halfway. And yes, so yes. I, I don't yeah. think you wrote about that. But do you have an opinion about Meta's uh, announcements? Uh, it shows they have a pretty clear lack in direction at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, that's what you really think. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> they, they enacted this whole rebranding campaign to become Meta last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the wow. mainstream consumer interest in the Metaverse uh, still really isn't proven. I mean, there are little stuff that's adjacent to it. Um, you know, you think about stuff like online video games, Fortnite, Roblox, that type of thing. Those are all very popular. Those are all branded, yep. uh, at least by the companies that market on them as metaverse. But in terms of what Zuckerberg's talking about, like the true VR yeah. shared social experience, yep. uh, just isn't there yet. It's not there um, yet. And it's yep. been a huge money loser for them. Whereas this AI stuff yeah. uh, has uh, clearly engaged a lot of people. Yes. Uh, ChatGBT. Uh, and seems to have more immediate uh, practical business use cases, yes. including yes. in marketing. So, yes, the value proposition uh, yeah. is much clearer for yes. for these kinds of generative AI sorts of things. I mean, Barbara, it's kind of like imagine you know being in the uh, videotape business and choosing to name your company Betamax <laughs> Incorporated. <It's> like, <laughs> oh, what just happened here? Well, it's all over, man. Metaverse, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not happening. <laughs> so uh, that's really Jumped interesting. Though. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like to think of Metaverse as broader than virtual uh, you reality. You do, yep, yep. So if I think of it as 24-7 immersive experience, then I think there is a lot of room for it going online and yes. into you know, in the digital space. Yes. and gaming. And by the way, I think Roblox was hit by Silicon Valley Bank, too. It's one yeah, of they them. had a lot of cash. Yeah, they had oh, a lot of money in there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so wow. like that's another 
another one of them. But, you know, I think I, I do think I mean, I think your initial comment with regard to Facebook was interesting because, like, why do you have to make such strong statements? I know, one right. another? Yeah. Like such a bold thing changes the whole name of your company. Yeah, that's a big bet. Yeah. Yep. Why would you do well, that? This this kind of goes full circle to what we started talking about, which is growth versus profitability. Uh, Facebook mm-hmm. now has over two billion users, Ooh. but their revenue has been down for Uh, I think three quarters straight because their advertising business hasn't been able to properly adjust to Apple sunsetting some of its uh, tracking. Right, right. That's a really big deal. The fight between privacy issues that Apple is behind and trying to build that honest relationship with the consumer. But it hurts advertising revenue. Wow. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Two billion. Wow. But, two, you know, eventually these two billion users are going to die, Barbara. <laughs> right? I mean, that's just... That's <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just a maybe, little it'll, maybe it'll be like uh, AOL. AOL for a long time has uh, held on to a pretty large subscriber base just because people don't know how to, like, cancel it. Or <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. one way these, one way these con- uh, you know, either way, uh, it's going to happen that these consumers are going to get canceled. So you got to, to your point, Barbara, you got to figure... I mean... What has Facebook done that's innovative? I mean, what have they have, have they done anything? I mean, they sort of copied the, the short form yeah, stuff. Yeah, they, they copied Insta- yeah. Instagram. They bought Instagram. They bought Instagram. Then they copied Snap. They copied <laughs> Stories. Yeah. Now they're going to copy TikTok and Reels. And wow, uh, yeah, they're not really. And you know, so who knows? Yeah, yeah. But. You know, um, I know. I noticed. Marcus and I were talking. Peter, you also write to, about some more traditional companies. You don't only write about tech and politics. You've also written what Miller Lite did, um, converting sex, sexist beer, beer ads into fertilizer. What was what was that story about? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, Miller Lite has this. Uh, it's time for uh, Women's History Month, which is throughout March. Um, you know, this campaign that is talking about uh, not necessarily beer ads today, but beer ads in the past uh, being, uh, you know, uh, having an objectified view of women. Mm. Uh, so they have gone and over the past couple of months, I guess, bought up all these vintage uh, ads that show, you know, bikini clad women holding beers. And they're essentially going to turn them into uh Fertilizer uh, wow. used to make more wow. beer. So the idea that, uh, that's that, no offense, but that's just I'm not sure that's that's not really hitting with me, Barbara. What are you? I don't know. A, I think that's it's a funny. Mystery. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big oh, we miss. <laughs> we were so yeah, we were so caught up in the other stuff. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know about that one, Barbara. Because it's interesting though. I guess I mean it's certainly stunty-ish, right? So we'll talk about it. But I don't know. Like just for you know, intuitively, it feels like uh, I don't know. That's sort of not so clever, not so creative. I don't know. It doesn't really feel authentic in some ways. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. The whole no, well, the whole idea of like Women's History Month and then Black History Month. You know, I, I understand all these ads come around, and obviously, you and I are going to support Black History Month and Women's History Month. Why yep. wouldn't we? Right. But there is something almost artificial about you. Yeah. Know, it's like, yeah. Why this month? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, and let's this do fertilizer. To... That'll be really. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but this yeah. gets to the question of like, do these companies support? these things in a sustained way you know exactly. like year round yeah or is it just for the holiday because exactly. that's timely and that has the pr hook exactly. uh to uh miller light and molson core's credit uh you know their 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 chief 
marketing officer. Now, actually, she was recently promoted to a new role as a chief commercial officer. Oh. Uh, Michelle St. Jock uh, nice. is pretty deliberate about mostly working with women oh, uh, or, okay. or, or mostly work with women on this campaign specifically, I should say. I don't know her day to day. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. But, um, you know, there's there's a few aspects of the campaign, I think, where they're trying to show, oh, we have the actual bona fides going Bonafide. on here. Whether oh. or not the concept actually resonates yeah. with you is obviously. Yeah, that's sounding uh, a, a lot less like fertilizer, Barbara. Sounds like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's but your point's a great point, Peter, because now, you know, with information search costs being close to zero with that thing called the Google machine. I mean, you can go look up, you know, what has Miller Lite been doing in this space, right, Barbara, in the yeah. last 15, 20 years, and you can figure that out pretty quickly. So I think it's really interesting because we, we've been seeing a lot of this sort of purpose sort of argument sort of stuff happening. And I think the critical question to your point, Barbara, is how do you do this in the way that that really feels authentic. authentic right? Yeah. And, and as more people do it, do it, do it, do it, it by definition becomes less differentiated and less potentially, you know, sure. effective to stand out at least as a marketing positioning strategy. Yeah. Yeah. So, Peter, we only have a few minutes left. Why don't you tell us what was your hit? Yes. <laughs> Everything is missed uh, yeah. in this last. Uh, you know, what are you? It's, yeah, it's been a rocky yet. start to the year. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, my God. Miss, 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 miss. And uh, yeah. Um, I do think that there is, uh, as much as there is some um, skepticism or concern around it, there is some interesting uh, applications of this generative AI stuff, uh, you know, has taken up. A significant portion of my time with yeah. all the announcements and chat GPT. Uh, but sort of on that front, Coke, uh, oh, Coca-Cola today. this week Coca-Cola. Uh, uh, announced this new kind of uh, platform they're introducing. They have a partnership with Bain and Company oh. and OpenAI, which is the startup that developed chat GPT. Yep. And basically they're opening up this program and encouraging artists to come in. And they have nice. kind of like a library of Coke assets that you can use to generate uh, new advertisements for them, and you could submit them nice. for the chance to actually be featured on billboards. Interesting. Wow, that's um, very cool. That's very cool. Uh, yeah, let me, let so, me ask you this, Peter. Sorry, because I think that's a fantastic example, but I'm just yeah. kind of curious because you're a journalist. Have you tried to incorporate this generative AI into your work? Are you having? Are you playing around with it? Are you not touched it? Like, where where are you in that? I no, not not for anything I've done in a work capacity. I think if we were to do that on my job, it would be some sort of newsroom wide initiative where we were experimenting gotcha. with mm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think for that stuff, you know, the problem with these generative AI interfaces is they're just scraping known uh, existing documents. Right. So when you get into stuff like uh, uh, journalism, uh, the chance nice. for plagiarism, mm. uh, that type of thing goes way up and you need to keep a careful eye on it. There's actually an interesting case study uh, sort of happening in real time right now where the technology publication uh, CNET mm. uh, tried writing a few articles that were written with the assistance of AI and they actually had to, in some of those cases, issue uh, pretty substantial corrections, edits. Uh, it became kind of a whole, uh, uh, it, at least in the media bubble on Twitter, it became yeah. a whole uh, controversy. So I think it's definitely uh, uh, testing the waters there in terms of just trying it out, trying it out. I've, I have experimented with it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. This is the thing about AI is that there have been so many times in the past where it's promised a lot and not delivered on sounding even remotely convincing. Mm. I think uh, generative AI and chat GPT's big 
problem and opportunity at the moment is that it does sound convincing. Yeah, yeah, mm. I agree. Even when it's very wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. so. No, and that's actually, when I've talked to CMOs about it, what they say is it's clearly an asset. I mean, you, it, it clearly is something we're going to have to lean into. But the issue yeah. is the data that they it operates off, which is what you're saying. And so if you can use it to operate off your proprietary data set that you're sure is accurate and it'll help differentiate your brand, mm. it's hard to see how it won't be used for mm. a creative going forward. Right. This is why I think Coke's is a win in a yes. way because mm-hmm. it's the Coke assets, it's the Coke brand, yep. and they're inviting artists to do it for them. Yep. And they're crediting the artists and they're giving the artists a platform by putting them out in the world on advertisements and billboards. Um, so yeah, I think they've they they at least seem aware of the uh, yeah the credit issue, the plagiarism issue. You know, they they are taking some steps there. That's cool. I mean, I I think the way to move forward is to take that into account and then work with it instead of fight it. Yeah. But the biggest issue is like using data that aren't accurate and then putting forth. That's a real problem. But that's controllable if you control the data set that it's used on. I suppose. Mm. Anyway, Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a great pleasure to have you on our show. Where can our listeners go to keep up with you and the stories you write? Uh, of course, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, and you can follow my stuff, uh, marketingdive.com. And we have a daily uh, newsletter you can sign up for. So if you don't want to visit the website, you can get all the top news right in your inbox. Well, that's great. That's all we have time for today. We'd like to thank our producers, Dion Simpkins and Dana Cash. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We replay our show several times throughout the week. And you can follow us on Twitter at SXM Marketing. And you can follow Business Radio at SXM Business for information about all our programming. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. Till then, this has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with America's Read. Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.